Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. We're going to start a, a new series of messages that um, we're calling I Deserve It. And the whole idea behind this, this title, I Deserve It, is that we live in a world, we live in a society, we live in a time where we get this sense within us, this idea within our hearts, this idea within our heads that, that we're entitled to certain things. We're entitled to certain privileges. We're entitled to certain benefits. We're entitled to receive uh, something from someone just because we're here. Amen? And, and this sense of entitlement that we get um, is, is something that, that can affect our lives in a very negative manner and it can affect our, even our Christian walk in a, in a manner of where we forget where God has brought us from. But the question I, I had uh, that I was going to ask you guys is that what if we did receive what we deserved? What if we did receive what we deserved? How different would the world look? Would your salary be the same? How would the prisons look? Would the nice guys finish first or last? Could things be a lot worse? Could things be a lot better? What if, what if we did receive what we deserve? Today we're going to be talking from a subject, and I'm going to tell you right now, these titles are, are going to be kind of challenging for us because when we're talking about getting what we truly deserve, uh, when we look at Scripture and what we look at what God um, says in His Word and, and what, what the Bible says about us as just as humans and as the, as the human beings, uh, what we deserve at times is going to be harsh. It's not going to be something that you go, oh, yes, amen, give me that. <laughs> and today, um, we're going to be talking from the subject is that I deserve death. I deserve death. Let's pray. Father, we come before your presence. Lord Jesus, we ask you today that as we study your word and we come... Um, to learn and we open our hearts and we open our minds, Lord, that you speak into our lives today, Lord. That these different sense, these ideas of entitlement that we have in our lives, these uh, ideas that come into our hearts, that, Lord, that they can be shifted into the right um, outlook, that we can have the correct perspective in our lives. And we just ask you that you speak into every one of our hearts. And that you, Lord, do what you need to do in, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So the very first thing we need to understand is that the Word of God says that we are all guilty of breaking God's law. Um, a few years, not a few years ago, a long time ago, um, when I was about seven, six, seven years old, um, I remember one time we were at the store, and I remember going through where the magazines are at, and there was this magazine that I really enjoyed, that I really liked, and my mom would not buy it for me. She just wouldn't. And, of course, like every child, we think mom and dad has all the money in the world, right? Why can't you buy me this? Why don't you give me what I want, what I deserve, <laughs> right? And um, I remember that since she didn't get it for me, I thought, well, I'm going to take it because I, I, I want it. It's, it's a need that I felt that I had. And I remember that I, I took the magazine, I tucked it in within my pants, and again, I'm six, seven years old. God is working in me back then. God is still working in me today. Amen. And I remember that I, I walked out and that something happened as we were walking out that, that um, it stuck out of my shirt. And my mom was like, what, what do you have in your shirt? And um, sure enough, uh, she pulls out what I had and she's like, very disappointed, gives me a very long scolding, makes me walk back inside and return it. And it was a very embarrassing, very difficult moment. But yet, even at that moment, as I was going through it, I was upset because why did my mom have to do that to me? Because there was a sense of, hey, you should do what I'm asking you to do for me. There was a sense of, of me feeling like I deserved that magazine for being a great kid or for whatever reason it may have been when I was seven years old, right? So I stole something. And this is one of the simplest laws that when we read uh, the Ten Commandments in the Bible in Exodus chapter 20, it says, thou shall not steal. There's really no gray area. There's really no uh, black or white. There's nowhere where you and I can go wrong. It says, thou shall not steal. It also says, thou, thou shall not lie. But yet again, it's another command that's very cut and dry. But yet, there's times that we seem to struggle with these simple commands, but yet they are so difficult at times to keep. Whether it's, because we categorize our, our errors, right? We categorize, well, it's a little white lie. It's not, I, 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 I. I needed to be off today, so I called in sick. I wasn't sick, but they wanted to give me the day off, and I deserved to be off, and I needed to. And we'd go through the whole process of justifying our actions because we believe we deserve things. Thou shall not lie. Thou shall not steal. And then we look at the Ten Commandments and we see other laws, other commandments that God gives us that seem to be worse than lying, that seem to be worse than envy, that seem to be worse. And you look at them, thou shall not kill. Oh, well, I, I'm good with that. I'm, I, don't, I can't hurt a soul. I can't hurt a fly. Thou shall not commit adultery. That's never going to be me. And we look at certain commands in the Bible and we think, we categorize them and we think, well, that's, that's definitely not me. I'm on the lower rung of, the, uh, 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 of sins. And we expect, we believe that no matter what we do, whether we believe it's a small sin or a great sin or whatever it is that 
that we deserve and we're deserving of certain things, but the truth is that we are all guilty. Everybody say guilty. We are all guilty of breaking God's law. James chapter 2 verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So there's ten commandments that we can look at. There's a list of ten commandments. And what, what James is telling us that if you and I are, can keep nine out of the ten, but there's one that you and I are struggling with, it, he is telling us, he is declaring to us, he is giving us the verdict that no matter what, even if it's nine out of ten, you're guilty of breaking it. Not just another couple. Breaking it, what? All of it. Breaking all of it. And this church is a big problem. As we discussed last week, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the wages of sin are death. I deserve it. But the Bible says that when you and I are sinners, what we do deserve the pay that we should get is death. So I stole something. There's something in the, there's a, there's a story in the Bible in the, uh, last week we were talking about Jesus uh, rising from the dead. But leading up to his death, there's a story in the Bible that tells us that when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified between two criminals. One to his right, one to his left. And Luke chapter 23, verse 32 says that two other men, both of them criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And if you remember, uh, uh, crucifixion, I think I mentioned this last week, crucifixion was one of the worst ways to die. It was one of the worst deaths. This, this type of execution, this type of penalty was only reserved for the worst of the worst. For those that had committed crimes so, so severe against society, so severe against their brother, so severe that this was the way that they were going to show the world that this guy truly, truly messed up. And here is Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. Jesus, who never sinned in his life. Jesus, who loved you and me, hanging on a cross as one of the worst, being shamed publicly. This is where Jesus found himself hanging in absolute suffering and pain, hung between two criminals, and as we discussed last week, hanging there for you and for me. In Luke 23, verse 39, the Word of God continues saying, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, 
since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Everyone say deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. So today what I, what I want to do is that as we look at these two, uh, these two people hanging next to our Savior, uh, next to Jesus, that I, wanna, I want you to understand that we are all one of these two criminals. Okay? Now, the Bible is not specific. They don't mention these criminals by name. They don't say what they did. The Bible doesn't say what they did. And you read the other, other verses, uh, the other Gospels, and it doesn't say who they are and what they did to deserve to be on that cross along with Jesus. But I believe that nothing in the Bible is accidental. Amen? Everything within the Bible, there's a purpose. And I believe that one of the reasons that this is so is that because you and I, truly, when we begin, to study this, you and I can truly identify with one of these two guys. And as we live our lives, as we walk through our Christian life, and as we go through life making decisions, uh, making plans, doing certain things in our lives, we begin to establish a pattern within us that will identify us either with criminal number one, or criminal number two. Again, Luke 23, verse 39 says that one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. And while you're at it, save us too. See, criminal number one was the unrepentant criminal, he was arrogant. He was full of pride. He was critical. He was entitled. There was no fear of God. There was no need for a Savior at that moment for him. And this unrepentant attitude that this man had can at times permeate within our lives. When you and I lose sight of the fact that you and I are in constant need of a Savior. We never run out of the need for God's grace. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. We never run out of the need for God's forgiveness in our lives. We never run out of the need of being able to feel, feel God's love in our lives. Telling a child, it doesn't matter how you lived your life. It doesn't matter what's going on. You need to come to me and I will love you. I will extend my grace to you. But see, there was an issue with this guy that even though Jesus would have very lovingly done so for him, there was an unrepentant heart. And the problem with that is that an unrepentant heart does not allow for correction in our lives. When you and I are unrepentant, no one's going to correct us because we didn't do anything wrong. How many parents have unrepentant child, children at home? <laughs> Son, don't do that. What did I do? Son, we can't do things like that. Well, what's wrong with that? 
And as long as there's that attitude of, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. What happened? What is... Whether when there's an unrepentant heart, our heart will not be open for correction, will not be open for discipline in our lives. Unfortunately, sometimes we still see this in, in our own lives. We can look at kids, we can point at kids all day long, but if we're being honest with ourselves, our own lives, those of you that are married, maybe you have experienced this with your spouse. Those of you that are older, uh, that are now older, and you have uh, parents that are still trying to correct you at times, amen, God bless them. But it's not until we open our hearts to, the, to, to realize, you know what, I, I may be wrong in this. I made a, might have made a mistake in this. I might have turned the wrong way. Instead of going left, I should have gone right. But while you and I sit and justify ourselves day in and day out, we will never correct our course. We will never correct our direction. The unrepentant heart begins to look around at the situation and begins to assign blame. Well, he does it too. We hear that a lot. They've done that before. And we begin to point fingers. Well, I can't be all that bad because they did it also. And then we can be like this criminal that's up on the cross next to Jesus and we begin to say, hey, well, I thought you were this and that. Why don't you save yourself and why don't you go ahead and get me out of the situation that I put myself in? And we begin to expect for others to bail us out of our problems, to bail us out of our situations of our own doing. Save yourself. Save, our, save us also. This is what the criminal said to Jesus. Save yourself and us. See, but as that one criminal, I don't know if he was to the left or to the right, amen, but he was hanging on there hurling insults to Jesus. He was, I don't know what else he was saying, expecting for Jesus to bail him out at that moment. Luke 23, verse 40, verse 41 tells us of the other criminal. Where he says, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. See, now this criminal is very in contrast to the, to the first criminal that was unrepentant. The second criminal was repentant. He mentions the fear of God. He's hanging on the cross broken. He's being humble and recognizing who Jesus is. Recognizing that there was no wrongdoing in Jesus. I don't know, maybe he heard Jesus' podcast. Maybe he had heard Jesus preach at one time. Maybe he saw what Jesus did. And he recognized him and said, you know what? He does not deserve to be here. What are you talking about? Don't you fear God? The 
second criminal was desperate. The second criminal saw a need in his life. See, when you contrast this with the unrepentant heart, the repentant heart recognizes sin in their life. Because when we talk about grace, listen church, when we talk about grace, when we talk about God's love, when we talk about God's goodness, when we talk about God's forgiveness in our lives, we need to understand that a truly repentant heart will recognize the sin in his life, the sin in her life, and recognize, you know what, I did this I did A, but now from this point on, I can no longer do that. Why? Because of grace. Because I recognize what I do deserve. But because of God's goodness, because of God's love, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, I am not getting what I deserve. And for that very reason, I can't continue living the way I'm living. You get married, you can't continue living the way you lived before. Change, things change. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, things change. They do. Those of you that aren't married, you're going to find out, okay? Things change. You change the way you look, the way you act. You change the way you talk. You change the way you look at things in life because now there is something called grace over you. And you realize that you deserve something totally different than what you're getting. And now you're able to come to the Holiday and Express and you can worship God. It doesn't matter that we're in a hotel. It doesn't matter that we're at someone's house. It doesn't matter if we're at a very nice building with a very nice sound system. Wherever you and I are, we now have the grace upon us to worship God in any setting. At any moment, at any time. Luke 23, verse 42, the story continues. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today. Everyone say today. This is powerful. Today you will be with me in paradise. See, last week we talked about Easter, that Easter, what it meant for us was that you and I no longer have to die. Paul says that being absent from the body means being present with the Lord. You and I no longer have to fear death. You and I no longer have to be afraid of this process in life called dying. Because why? Because God promises that when you and I come before Him with a repentant heart, that at that moment when you and I go away from the body, we'll be present with Him in paradise. That's an eternal hope. That is the, the, the glory of our hope. The second criminal deserved death, but Jesus gave him life. 
The criminal, he was up there. I don't know if he stole something. I don't know if he killed someone. I don't know what he did, but he did something. A crime so heinous, so shameful that he had to be hung up on a cross so that he could be publicly humiliated. But the Bible says that he was saved by nothing more than putting trust in Jesus and saying, Lord, Lord, I recognize I deserve this. I'm up here. There's a reason I'm here, but I recognize you haven't done anything. And I recognize your holiness. I recognize who you are. And our belief begins to grow. Our faith begins to grow. And we are saved. The Bible says, by grace, not by works. See, the the criminal couldn't get off the cross so that he could walk the straight and narrow. It, It was too late for him. He was ready. He was... One step away, he was one more day away from being dead. The thief or the criminal, he couldn't perform, get off and go work for the community, go feed the homeless. He couldn't do any of that. He couldn't get off the cross to turn over a new leaf and start a nonprofit, start a plant a church. He couldn't do any of that. All he had was Jesus by his side. See, church, we forget at times that it's not good people who go to heaven. It's forgiven people who go to heaven. You can be as good as you want for your whole life. I don't hurt anybody. I go to work. I drive the speed limit. We struggle with that, too. And I do what I have to do. I contribute to society. I don't need a savior. I don't need this idea of of a God who came and died on a cross for me. See, Psalms 103 says it very plainly, verse 10 and verse 12. It says that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Everyone say deserve again. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. See, because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. See, church, when you and I capture this, when you and I understand this, Our lives begin to change because, you know what, I truly deserve to be repaid for my iniquities. I deserve to be treated justly, but because of God's grace in my life. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how his love is for me. I don't know, last time I I, I looked, last time I looked it up, if you keep going straight up, you'll never stop. There's no end to our universe, and, the, and scientists say that the universe just is continuously expanding. And see, our human minds cannot understand the depth of God's love for us. One time Jesus said that there's no greater love than one giving his own life for his friends. See, because I can easily give my life for my wife. 
I can give my life for my son, for my daughter, for my sons, okay? But Brother Rudy, I'd have to think twice maybe. And I love you dearly. But let's be honest, and he would have to think twice probably. Let's be honest. And this is what Jesus said. There's no greater love than when lays down their life for their friends. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. We were so far from him. So far from him. There's nothing you and I could do to deserve his love. There's nothing you and I can do today to change his love for, for, his love for me and for you. I, I like describing, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it here one time or not, but it's a good illustration, so I'll say it again. Uh, the, the, I, I don't remember exactly what the world record was, but way back in the 70s or 80s, Jesse Owens broke the record for the, the long jump. 28 feet and something, something. And then uh, I believe another person came around and, and broke that record, just a f- maybe a half an inch longer. And, and I like talking about God's grace and our inability to bridge that gap that is between us, between God's uh, holiness and our present situation in our lives. I like using this because I promise you, I can get up every morning and train for the next five years. But I will never be able to jump 28 feet. I don't know if you can imagine what 28 feet is, but let's say it's from that wall, a little bit past that outside wall there. And I can promise you that none of you can do that neither. I've seen the way we eat. And it's just not in our genes. Let's be honest. I can get up every morning and I can try to be as holy as I can be. I can read the Bible as much as I can. I can pray as much as I can. I can live a life that I feel is good before God. But none of that will ever impress God. What will impress God is a repentant heart before Him. Yes, I will pray. I will pray to Him. Not because I'm trying to be holy, but because I want to have a relationship with God. I will read my Bible. Not because I'm trying to be saved before Him or because I'm trying to impress my God, but because I want to know Him deeper. I want to know Him more. Yes, I will get up early and spend time in worship, not because that's what I believe will get me to heaven, but because I want to be in His presence. If you remember when you were dating, I remember I would stay up till 2, 3 in the morning on the phone, and it was the sweetest thing, right, babe? <laughs> Falling asleep on the phone, and it's just so awesome. It was like we were in the heavens, and we could not get enough of each other. Now, I don't know. She might have a different story. But, <laughs> but the thing is that when you and I are truly in love with God, we can't get enough of our God. 
There's service at 3 o'clock. I'm there. What can I do, Pastor? What? There's a community thing that we're doing as a church where we can show our community God's love. Where? How can I be there? Because I want to be the body of Christ. What? This is faith week. I need to pray for my brother and my sister. I need to lift them up. I've already been doing that, Pastor, but I'll join in still. Because we understand that our sins deserve something that we're not getting. We don't go to heaven because we're good. We go to heaven because he is good. It's not about what you do. It's not about what I do. It's not about all the talent God has given you. It's not about this great job he's given you. It's about just his goodness in our lives. Jesus loved us so much in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. I don't have it up here, but the word of God tells us that he did not consider equality with God as something to reach for, something to grasp. That even though he was a man and he was God at the same time, instead of sitting on a throne of glory, he was hanging on a cross for you and for me. Instead of wearing a a golden crown with jewels and diamonds and all these beautiful things, he was wearing a crown of thorns for you and for me. Instead of being surrounded by servants, waiting on his every need, Jesus was serving you and was serving me and at the end ended up surrounded by two common criminals. He was innocent and he deserved to live. But for us, church, he was willing to die. City Church, he died for you He died for me. And see, Romans 6.23 is very harsh, very true. But when you read the whole story, it says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can you give God a hand praise today? I'm going to ask you to stand.